Truth is the authority. All right, first thing, bring your A-game because I'll take nothing less. We don't need more regulations. We need far less of that. We're going to have an open and honest discussion, but the numbers are what matter. The facts matter. Forget about the Republicans and the Democrats for a minute. Let's talk about the people. I've lived the American dream, and I want so many more people to be able to live the American dream. My show is what it says. It's common sense. We've jettisoned political correctness. It's principles and policies that work for everybody. I just want to talk about how to fix this country. The David Webb Show. China continues to be a growing factor and problem in many areas, uh, not only in this country, but around the world. China has deployed now under the Chinese Communist Party for decades a multi-tiered strategy across all available platforms. They weaponize what is available, use influence effectively, even within the halls of Congress, within administrations, and across the American landscape. So the Biden policy on China, the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin's weakness on China policy is something that will affect all of us, not just in the Indo-Pacific region and its effect that can come back to America, but to every one of us at Main Street. John Elliott, managing partner at Brighton Strategy Group, uh, former deputy assistant to the president for national security affairs, joins me now. His new op-ed in uh, town hall on President Biden, SecDef, Lloyd Austin, and China policy. John, welcome back to the show. Thanks very much, David. Always a pleasure to be with you. You know, I, you know, John, I have jokingly said it, but I think it's not much of a joke. Persians gave us chess, Chinese gave us mahjong, and the Chinese now weaponize every one of them in the technological world, political world, economic world. Uh, China has managed to exert power, soft power, hard power in so many ways. When you look at the policies of this administration, when you look at the various aspects of that policy or developing doctrine, what concerns you the most? Well, David, uh, you're absolutely right. So I think to take a step back historically and look for the last 20 years, uh, there has been, well, 20 years before uh, 2017 when uh, President Trump came in office, but the previous 20 years, uh, Presidents from both parties essentially looked the other way as China just grew and grew and, and got stronger. And it was always a matter of giving concessions to China, letting them into the World Trade Organization without conditions, uh, giving them very favorable trading arrangements with the rest of the world. And meantime, they've been building up their military and especially over the last 10 years or eight years under Obama and a couple years under President George W. Bush. And what concerns me the most, to answer your question, David, is the fact that until President Trump, there was no president who actually took on China and said, look, this is a real emerging power that has been ignored by previous presidents, and we've got to check them where we can by calling them out on the Uyghurs, calling them out on Hong Kong, 
by challenging them in the in the uh, South China Sea and with other partners of ours, such as the Philippines and now Vietnam and others. The only president who's done that in the last 20 plus years has been President Trump. And now that President Trump, for the time being, is out of office, you're seeing a backsliding to that, to your point, with both Biden and Austin demonstrating weakness with China. And I can go into that in detail. But that's what concerns me the most is that we've only had one president for four years out of the last 20 plus years who has actually understood the problem with China and taken aggressive moves to deal with China. Well, let's go deeper, John. It's one of the reasons I like having you here. And we really need to go deeper because the connections are not often made, uh, whether in media or in the public discussion or the pundit world. And there are connections between soft power, hard power, economic power, political capital, and even not just at the federal level, but local political capital being exerted by China. And this all goes into the effect they have on this country, on policy and on our reaction or response to their actions. Absolutely. You're 100% correct. I mean, the Chinese are the most aggressive country when it comes to espionage on our shores against our companies, as well as against our, our political and our governmental targets. And so Tucker Carlson had a great uh, segment on last night where he talked about the New York Times and other papers essentially printing Chinese propaganda and then now erasing it because suddenly after the COVID, they're under a lot of pressure because they haven't been taken, taking a number of steps that they need to take in, in order to shine the spotlight on China. But if, if you look at what's happened for the last 25 years, the most concerning other than what we talked about, which is the fact that we've only had one presidency that's dealt with it, the most concrete problem that we have right now is the Chinese virus or the China virus and the way that now Biden is is not responding to that. So if you take a step back about two and a half, about two months ago, end of May, Biden was effectively pushed into a review by the U.S. intelligence community of the origins of the coronavirus or the China virus. And he was due to give a 45 day report in the middle of July that came and went absolutely silent nothing on that whatsoever. And then Biden had this big news conference last, well, he had one last night, but he had an even bigger one for 40 plus minutes on last Thursday. And he mentioned not one thing about how that report is progressing. He gave no 45 day update. So the issue is, is that it's very likely that we're going to, under this administration, under the Biden administration, essentially punt on the question of, was China responsible for leaking this virus out to the world and causing over 600,000 deaths directly here in the U.S.? That's more deaths or as many deaths, if you will, as the Civil War. But it's uh, just a tra- it's amazing that we are not getting to the bottom of that right now that we promised that uh, Biden promised the American people that he would back at the end of May. But, you know, this was easy to see and not hard to search for anyone who wanted to look into uh, China, the World Health Organization, uh, the leader Tedros at the WHO and his background alone tied to China and, uh, you know, in Africa. 
Plus the fact that Taiwan literally released the email. They they demonstrated the Taiwanese ministry demonstrated China's collusion, to use the word, or control of the WHO and the WHO carrying water for the Chinese. So when the Biden administration said they were going to rely on the WHO, I, I sadly, I just chuckled and said, what's the game here? Right, exactly. Yeah, that was absolutely unacceptable. And he was actually called out on that in a big enough way that he had to then back into having this 90-day review and so that 90-day review is coming up here at the on Labor Day, essentially. And the point of that review is to say, fundamentally, was China responsible for foisting this virus on the rest of the world? Well, DNI Radcliffe came out with a former DNI, John Radcliffe, uh, director of national intelligence, came out with a, an op-ed about two days ago on Fox News in which he said, look, all signs, according to him and all the intelligence that he had access to, uh, we don't even need to wait until Labor Day, that essentially it's very clear to him that the signs point to China leaking this, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It came from a lab, period, full stop, is what DNI Ratcliffe said. So now the question is, what are we going to do to hold them accountable? And to their credit, the House GOP Foreign Affairs Committee Michael McCall and a number of others have laid out eight steps along with Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, about what they would do. And they include not boycotting, but shifting the Olympics from Beijing. These are the Winter Olympics next year from China to another country. They're also talking about allowing Americans to individually Americans to in a class action or individually to sue the Chinese government for damages by causing the virus to kill their loved ones. But I think, and I've written this a couple of weeks back, and we can echo this again, is that uh, we need to look at other things such as deepening our relations with Taiwan, having regular visits possibly by U.S. warships and U.S. warplanes, combat aircraft uh, into Taiwan as a demonstration say, look, we're now in a new era with you guys, China, because you have foisted this virus on us and you've caused the deaths of 600,000 Americans and then uh, many others around the world. It was no secret that China, regardless of the nature of the leak or how, whatever, put that aside for a moment, but that they weaponized this virus. There were too many obvious, obvious actions that were either taken or not taken. Uh, Italy suffered extraordinarily because flights can continued between China and Italy because China has enormous power since Italy joined the Belt and Road Initiative. They were the seventh nation to do that. I have friends in Italy who saw this spike grow. They reported on it. In other countries around the world, they did the same. Why do you think there is maybe not little, but barely any appetite for truly going after China, for weaponizing the virus, refusing to give the genome when they were asked about it uh, as early as, I believe, late January, mid-February by Secretary of State, then Secretary of State Pompeo, by other nations, and then the blockages along the way, plus weaponizing it for commercial gain. 
Why is there such little appetite around the world to go after China? Well, there's little, little appetite because essentially the media here in the U.S. sat on the issue of Chinese culpability for spreading the virus. Remember, if you posted that on Facebook, they would take down your account. They would ban all those postings. And it wasn't until pre- because and it was because President Trump had floated that idea. And so everybody shut that down. And then lo and behold, two months after he left office and to his credit, Secretary Pompeo put out a report about a week before President Trump left office pointing toward this this uh, theory that the that the Chinese developed this in a lab and put it out to the rest of the world. And then lo and behold, you had now the media saying, well, let's look into this. And so now the rest of the world is coming around to it. So to answer your question, the reason why there is such little appetite in places like Italy and others, David, is that there has been no leadership because the media had a blackout on President Trump's attempts to to push this theory when it looked evident as it was emerging about a year, maybe 14 months ago. And it was only until this past spring when President Biden is in office that it became acceptable to actually start to look into that. And so now you have a situation where you have zero leadership to respond to the fact that now most of the country over the vast majority of Americans now believe that indeed the virus came from a lab in China, whereas that was unspeakable. You'd be censored if if you had that in the past under President Trump. And now that President Trump is no longer in office, there's just simply no leadership to be able to grab our allies like Italy and others, David, and to be able to, to say, hey, we lead, you you can follow us, but we're going to make sure that we're going to hold China accountable because you have millions ra- around the world who have suffered as a result of this virus, and we need to make sure that there's proper accountability to the Chinese Communist Party. We oftentimes, I think, in this country, fail to see the forest through the trees, and just as a theme for today's show. Uh, but to a you and I are on broadcast right now, audio, radio. We're on radio. There are different forms of radio. We're on satellite. There's terrestrial, obviously, and all the other forms out there, even online. Reported by Reuters, all right, China state-run China Radio International, CRI, has at least 33 radio stations in key markets in 14-plus countries, part of a global web to push Chinese propaganda. China is playing a much bigger, broader, longer, and at the same time, more targeted game. They control effectively WCRW in Washington, D.C. They broadcast into that market, the seat of government in this country. So, you know, strategically, there are many things we can do, but the willpower is what doesn't exist. That's exactly right, David. They do have all these tentacles around our country in different markets, and they're paying a lot for that. And once again, Tucker had Tucker Carlson had something on this last night, which was very important about what they were doing in the print broadcast in both the New York Times and the New York Times and other papers have now taken those ads, essentially those China Times ads, and they've they've taken them off their pages because they're embarrassed now to have those. But to your point, it's not just that we don't have a reciprocal 
telegraphing of our position, of the West position in countries like China, but we can't even report accurately on what's going on in China because many of our bureaus of Reuters, of Wall Street Journal, even the New York Times have been shut out of China, have been cut down in terms of the number of their correspondents who are allowed to operate there. And so for the first time under President Trump, we reciprocated. And this was under Deputy National Security Advisor Matt Pottinger and Ambassador O'Brien, who was the National Security Advisor in the last two years of the administration. And what they did is they said, great, tit for tat, if you guys are going to cancel our people, then we're going to cancel your people. And we started to roll back on those outlets that you were talking about earlier. Uh, But what's happened now is that entire effort has stopped, and now there's no more effort under the current administration to continue that policy of saying, look, if you guys are going to freeze us out, you better believe that we're going to freeze you out. So we need we need to continue that policy and we need to continue to be strong on China. But now that we're coming to the end of our segment here shortly, David, just to underscore for the audience is that the big thing that's coming up right now is we need to finally determine and make a decision as a government. And this is both the Congress and the executive branch about who is responsible for unleashing the virus on the world and all signs right now point to China. And then the question is, what are we going to do to hold them accountable? Is it allowing people to sue? Is it the Olympics taking those away from from China and leading the rest of the world in doing that? Is it other things such as strengthening our relationship with Taiwan and others and actually encouraging our presence in the region? Lloyd Austin, to your point earlier, when we started this segment, he was in the region just last week, and he was actually discouraging the new aircraft carrier from the British called the uh, HMS Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty's ship Queen Elizabeth that just came out. He was actually actively discouraging them from patrolling in the South China Sea, saying they should do that uh, elsewhere, but that we've got it covered over there, whereas President Trump wanted to increase the number of allies that are actually patrolling in the South China Sea as a show of force. So we need to really figure out how we're going to project force and just tell the Chinese that we're not going to stand for them pushing the virus around the world, but we're also not going to stand for them having unlimited spending on their Navy and their nuclear arsenal to try to become a competing power with the West, period. John, my friend, I enjoy our conversations and it gives me a great deal of consternation and it should everyone listening. We're in we're in uh, very interesting times as the Chinese curse goes. Uh, thank you as always. Always a good, deep and a uh, lot more context to the discussion. Thank you. Thank you, David. We'll see you next time. Appreciate it. John Elliott, managing partner at Brighton Strategy Group and former deputy assistant to President Trump for National Security Affairs. 866-95-PATRIOT, 957-2874. Let's take a break. <laughs> 